Oh, Drew, Paul hasn't got his microphone windshield. Just, just having a, just having a quick chat to our producer Drew Armstrong, who's um, about microphone windshield. So, if you're uh, like-minded with the technology, you, you might have got the reference to that. Um, hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Aspen Weight Live. Delighted that you could join <laughs> us um, this afternoon. Apologies for being a, a few minutes late. Um, what's the expression? Is it all, all good, all good things come to those who wait? I like to dig out those cliches. I always say, me. I say, I always go. Twenty minutes late leaves on the line, which is Reginald Perrin, one of my favourite programmes of all time. There you go. A couple of quotes coming out from us um, this afternoon. Of course, it's a lovely. Bright, slightly windy day here. Not so windy where you are, Paul. You don't seem to have the wind, just the sunshine. A bit of wind, a bit of wind. I should do it, yeah. pro- should do it properly. Trying to, cool. trying to keep it down. Just say uh, a very good afternoon. Um, I was. Go- I wanted to say then, I don't know why. I don't know what mood I've got in today, but I wanted to say oh. my learned friend. I don't know why I wanted to say that expression. Oh, I am. I, I can't tell you how um, how positive the feedback I've got about you becoming a little Irish lady. Uh, oh, loads of people have commented on that. I mean, I, I'm still personally finding myself traumatised by the prospect of you being a little Irish lady, but nonetheless, uh, it's to your credit. Yeah, well, I mean, that. I, I think probably I'll just leave it there. But, um, but Paul, I've got to say a very good afternoon to you. The CEO of Aspen Waite, Paul Waite, joins me as always. It's lovely to be here with you. And, and you, sir. Monday is my favourite show, and um, oh. we're going to reflect across... The weekend, we talk about anything and everything. Obviously, we've got a very important afternoon this afternoon as far as uh, the government and politics. Boris has has risen and said that he will be back <laughs> on an almost daily basis to deal with the what they put as criticism of the government. They've come in for a lot of criticism over the last few days since I last spoken to you. I'm not. I, I don't want to lead you into anything, but you, you, we've spoken about the criticism of the government, and it seems now they're getting it from all angles, aren't they? Well, yeah, it's, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just uh, I, I, I try to think of a, a, a wise and sensible way of evaluating things. I mean, uh, where I'd like to start, if that's so, well, I suppose we ought to start really on a on a, a, a refreshing uh, refreshment of where we've actually got to. So, uh, the number of deaths in the last two days, in particular, has um, has been uh, extremely low, shall we say? Um, Again, you know, which wouldn't surprise either of us on the basis of uh, the media's behaviour over the last two months. Uh, it, 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 you know, it's just it, it, it never ceases to amaze me, you know, how people can report things in different ways. So instead of saying, um, I don't know, good news, uh, deaths fall below 100 or something like that, you know, that sort of thing, uh, how, how the media choose to report that is deaths rise to 34,415 or whatever it is you know so that's that's how that that, that is literally how it's done um so <coughs> in particular i don't i don't have the exact numbers on hand but what I, from what i have read the little i've read uh the number of cases in london for instance has, has plummeted so we're almost you know uh by anyone's standard a, man, a manageable level i think i saw something about 24 cases it was as little as that so i think we've um uh london itself has has has, has you know this great room for optimism shall we say i think um I, I think we commented on this last week you know we talked about the fact that um so the government 
are on the one hand devoid of strategy etc etc uh and i guess from a certain point of view one could argue that thank god we're english as opposed to any of the other home nations where the people have been continuing to be treated um as if they you know as if they're small children um and i think at least even though i don't agree with this at least uh the current government um appears to be uh recognizing that things need to get back to normal as quickly as they might shall we say I watched, however, I want to, I'm going to be quite controversial now. I, I watched a fantastic interview with David Starkey, who I have considerable respect for. David Starkey is one of the greatest historians in the world and uh, has, has made many programs for the BBC about uh, various historical things. Uh, he also is a, is a guy who gives lectures and teachers at universities etc and obviously he's a man with um a great intellect and an opinion where he's able to weigh up uh events over many years including political ones and he he had a 40 minute interview uh which i watched yesterday and the people that you're talking about who um you know it's almost like you know i don't know what they want you know i think there's a certain element of our society at the moment. They want everyone to stay in, stay in their a room, not talk to anyone else. And if they do, they're all, they're, they're in great danger of dying, you know. And you know, I think I think that's true to say that. However, if you then contrast that with David Starkey's opinion, which I uh, I'm going to say now and be and I hate you know if if I, if people don't like this and don't like it, uh, I totally agree with him. He he made a, quite a simple point actually which is that there is no strategy there is no plan right uh, uh and his his view is the tories won a landslide victory in the general election off the back of convincing the northern voters in particular that that blue was the new color of the working class right Red was no longer the colour for the working class. The colour was now blue. Okay, so uh, that also translates into the fact that, on the whole, northern voters are more pro-Brexit than southern voters, per se. So the northern voters were very important in Boris achieving his Brexit vision, and also very important in achieving the Tory landslide. It would also be true to say, as a generalisation, that the NHS is of considerable importance to the northern voter. Mm. So if we if we just say all those things, and I, I think at the moment you're with me that you you haven't disagreed with anything I've said. So David Starkey's assertion was that Boris's entire strategy is one of not alienating the northern voter. Nothing to do with fairness or saving lives or uh, he even made a point, which I totally agree with. and I'm getting very angry about, which is that doctors and consultants have broken the Hippocratic Oath. Right. The Hippocratic Oath says that you as a physician must treat the people that need to be treated. 
And what David Starkey was saying is that effectively, uh, Boris's strategy is entirely centered around preserving the NHS and making sure that the NHS as a shrine wasn't something that would lose in the next election, if you like. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so uh, whole hospitals turned over to COVID-19 treatment. And, and it's interesting this. He, 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 he made the same point I keep making. So he, he says there will be a national inquiry. And I must have said this to you at least three times on our live streams. There will be a reckoning. Believe me. There will be a reckoning for this because uh, what is the point he said? He said this is the first time in history where a government or governments, you know, um, across the world have committed economic suicide, his words, economic suicide for no real reason. And he was talking, of course, because he was talking about uh how the Black Death, for instance, wiped out half of the population uh, in Europe in the 14th century. And there were various uh, re, re, uh, reoccurrences of the Black Death. Uh, it didn't go away. Um, we've had pandemics uh, previously. You know, we talked about the one in 1919. We talked about the flus, you know. And, 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 and his point is, is that, and I agree with this, is that, if nothing had happened at all, such as, you know, if nothing had happened at all, we had done nothing, and we just took uh, what was going to happen on the chin, if you like, right? Um, his view was, if if you assume that the media would be reasonably compliant, then nobody, the problem wouldn't have been big enough to warrant, uh, you know, an outcry, for instance, you know? So... His his assertion is that this this whole thing has been a complete self destruct for a very simple reason, which was, uh, and of course he's he's then talking about you know this again people won't like this because you know people go outside and clap the NHS and the NHS people are great, but you know he was saying that you know like nurses who are paid to be nurses have been turned into angels, hmm. you know. The NHS is now the closest thing that England has to a religion. Agreed. Facts. Yeah. So that's that's my rant out anyway. So no, yeah, you you raise some really interesting points, uh, Paul, and I'm sure that you know we always encourage people to get their comments in, and even if you're listening on the podcast, you can email us podcast aspen-weight.co.uk if you want to get involved in the discussion. That's what this is all about. You can subscribe. Uh, to both the podcast and the YouTube channel, please get your comments in. And I wanted to say that it was an important point to say that in the show because you, you bring up some great points for discussion. We want people to get involved. I th- when you uh, initially started talking there and you, you said, look, where do I start? What, what is the point that I start at? I wanted to ask you, and I think you answered it, why right now the government seems to be coming in for more criticism than they perhaps have been. And I, and I don't know if I'm wrong there, Um and we are starting to come out of lockdown. We are starting, as you mentioned there, I quote, the, the government at least are starting to see that we need to get back to some form of normality. And probably one of the reasons that Boris has said he's going to try and jump on these um, government briefings every day is because the government himself and the government are coming in for this criticism. Do you think it just goes back to that point that you mentioned that people, we're, we're split and, and that so many people don't want 
to go, as you said, it don't want to come out of their box. They don't want to actually be like to take, for example, teachers and schools that this <laughs> has d- divided the country over the last few days. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I, I, I mean, I hope I'm not being overly simplistic in what I say now. I, I think there's two main issues here. One is uh, this government has proven that it is brilliant at spin. So it managed to win, Boris managed to win the Brexit vote against all the odds. The Tories won the biggest landslide the Tories achieved since Thatcher. Uh, so they're provenly brilliant at getting their message across. What happened in this particular case is that the message was got across in a manner that even they didn't believe would happen. So they thought, you know, by talking about, um, you know, so what happened is, you know, they, 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 they put over a message about the danger of the, the current virus and what it would do to you. Uh, they introduced this concept of, you know, staying at home unless uh, there was like a really, really good reason why uh, you couldn't stay at home. And so what happened is you then had loads of businesses uh, closing that the government never meant for them to close, mm. for instance. Um, as we've discussed, you know, you and I have discussed over the last few weeks, um, the furlough scheme, debate and discuss, helpful or unhelpful. You know, I, 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 I'm of the view that it's a well-intentioned scheme that may have had some merit for a short period of time kept in place for a long time, I think it creates a positive disincentive for employers to employ, for instance, you know? Mm. Um, And of course, then you get the thing about um, the state of mind of the employee. You know, some some employees get used to being at home and and having their kids around them. They don't, don't particularly want to go back to work. But of course, you know, what the real sting of the tale is, is that, um, you know, and, and I, I just see it coming. Um, a lot of these people who are reluctant to go back to work are going to end up being unemployed. Absolute sure of it, mm-hmm. right? The second, the second point, which is probably more the one you meant or mean, is um, let's let's call them like the Corbynistas, the unions, uh, the teachers. Their their stance. Uh, these are people who have a clear agenda as to why they would want to oppose. So if you took Corbyn himself as an example, for instance, Corbyn sees um, what the Tory government have done in response to the threat as sort of his vision for what he would do all the time. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a, and this is that, this is why I'm so upset you know why and my son for instance why sam and i are so upset about what this government is doing is because it's it's neo-marxist behavior it is not the behavior of a democratic country i don't know if you saw uh and again i predicted this to be fair to me so my, my predictions are doing very well this far i told you that someone would sue the government and i don't know if you saw that the judgment was that this lockdown measured certain measures were unlawful i didn't so see that yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been ruled in the courts. Uh, I, I don't I haven't I haven't researched it well enough to um, 
to talk objectively, but I know that I saw that that um, that that was true. And we saw we had the most ridiculous. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this. There was um, started to be for the first time some demonstrations now uh, against lockdown in the UK. You know, and this is uh, despite, for instance, in America and Germany, where uh, the demonstrations have have, have, have got quite serious and violent. Um, so there was a reasonably sized demonstration in London. I'm not sure if it was yesterday or Saturday, because I only watched it yesterday. So I don't know whether it was Saturday or Sunday it took place. And it was extraordinary, the overreaction of the police. I mean, there were more police there than there were people demonstrating. And to be fair, when I say demonstrating, I mean gentle protest here. You know, people with placards saying, uh, we protest you know, and they were chanting things like, uh, you have no rights, you have no rights, you know. And there was a, it was the most, I say you could watch this on YouTube. There was the most ridiculous, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. There was, a, there was, and this is, you're watching this real time, right? So you got, I don't know, 30 police officers, perhaps, you know, that sort of level, mm. surrounding this one old man that probably was 65, at least 70. Uh, and he was simply saying things like, protect my rights, protect my rights. Um, this isn't, you know, he's just basically saying, you've got no right to stop me. I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, about six of them gathered round him. He then, you know, very, very sensibly did everything he could to stop them. So he like sat down, <laughs> you know, they handcuffed him. Right. And then he's, he's still saying, um, you know, still going on doing all his stuff, you know, and they're just, and you can see they don't know what to do. You know, they're thinking, shit, what do we do now? You know? And of course other people are then coming over and saying, why are you doing this to him? What's he done? You know? And they ended up about eight of them picked him up like he was a chicken and they took him into a police van and they took him away to prison, to, to, to the police station. And, and I said to Lisa, I wonder, I'd love to be there and to say, well, actually this is why we've done this to you. Mm. he was just peaceably standing there basically saying this isn't right i don't agree with this right so as i say the disproportionate response to that but i think it it was very interesting because it sort of sums up the whole problem doesn't it i mean i saw sorry sorry to keep talking but there's just one thing i wanted to say to finish off um i can't remember where i heard this but i believe it to be true and you can check it out and i'm sure it is true um only something like three people under the age of 14 have died of coronavirus. Something like that. Yeah, I did see that actually as well, yeah. Um, you know, so I think that the answer to your point is is that, um, I mean, you do, it, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, I think, you know, like I was saying in our group meeting this morning, that uh, clearly I'm going to care more about us not having sales than anyone else because I've got to pay the wages. Yeah. You know, so my view is going to be different. So I think um, the government, right, the government might be devoid of a plan and might have committed economic suicide, which they have. But at least I think they realize they have, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? They, they realize the enormity of what they've done. On the other hand, the unions, well, if you take the unions and say Marxists generally, Marxists generally uh, don't believe in the free market. 
Um, as a generalization, and this is quite an important point the listeners need to understand, is that these people believe that the public sector should be making all of the decisions. So one of the reasons why they welcome the lockdown is because that's what they think life should be like. You shouldn't have the free market economy. You shouldn't have private institutions doing things. Everything should be done centrally by the state. So you don't have any of this um, understanding that uh, there's a cost because they don't care. Hmm. You know, that's why you look at um, uh, Venezuela, I think is a good example. You know, you get the Venezuelan dictator transformed a country which had a vibrant economy into one that was bust within years of him coming in. And so the fact of it is, is that the unions don't care. If, 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 if we ended up with every company in this country going bust, they wouldn't care. Hmm. And that's what the problem is. I think, I think this, is, this is such an interesting uh, topic because obviously the current thing is the schools and people going back into schools, the demonstrations, as, as you mentioned. We've also got, is it the uh, Mr. Starmer, have I pronounced that right? The um, the, yep. the, the uh, leader of the opposition who's taken up, as you've been seeing this week, a lot of Boris's time in Parliament answering questions, being subjected to you know a lot of comments that they don't agree with what he's doing. Um, I'm going to play the role as a broadcaster now of, of trying to play from both sides. When this kind of the magnitude of what's going on uh, with the coronavirus is happening and the government are obviously coming into criticism for every single area from PPE to hospitals to healthcare to schools, when we should go back, the lockdown, businesses, the economy. Is it helpful having the leader of the opposition, um, you know, leading a charge against the government? Is it helpful to have demonstrations? Are, Are these things helping us? And I'm only playing devil's advocate here in my role as a broadcaster. Is this what we need to be doing at this time? You see the, some of the um, Americans and their demonstrations. D- does that really help when we're trying to find a vaccine and we're trying to find a way through this? Or, or is that the whole um, you know, principle of, of what you said about the country? It should be, um, you know, everybody should have a, a, a voice. Again, that's a really hard question. That. I, mean, <laughs> I know, it's could, a tough one, isn't it? We, well, no, I mean, we could, you know, I could, I could, I could do a two-hour documentary with you on that subject. That's what I mean. It's yeah. it's a very deep question which I could answer, but it's 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 answering it in a live stream in a way that's good enough for a couple of minutes, you know. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, I've got mixed views on that, and I I always believe in sort of saying what I'm actually thinking. So when I was listening to you there, uh, one comment in my mind was. Uh, well, isn't that democracy? Isn't that his job? Isn't his job as the leader of the opposition to to put the other point of view, to say, had you thought about this? I guess if you do that in a manner which is ill-judged, ill-timed, unhelpful, uh, destructive, then it becomes undemocratic and unhelpful, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and of course, you know, I think if... if um, I don't know. Let's say this. So, you know, if I said to you that the government had decided that all babies under the age of one should be roasted on an oven, you would you would expect the uh, leader of the opposition to say that was a disgrace, wouldn't you? Yes. 
so you know so i think it's, 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 this is why this is why you know um you'll always hear me going on about the word depends for instance so you have to weigh up the facts in in a, in a circumstance about uh, the, the need for a democracy against the need for a united approach so uh you're right that straying into an area where you start to get unreasonable uh, and unnecessary opposition to a policy for instance becomes very unhelpful doesn't it but i think unfortunately you know you take you say you take america right um and, and this is this is gone forever i mean i, I don't think this is ever going to reverse now america is split between democrats and republicans right and that that goes even further so as a generalization republicans don't like lockdown and democrats want lockdown this is this is all accepted fact here i'm not making this mm. up so on the whole left-wing people want think so left-wing people would say that lives are more important than money and they would they would say that people like me uh didn't have a proper regard for life um and uh, i was a nasty horrible man who didn't care about people and i was prepared for people to die in the sake of money that's the sort of thing they would say okay and then on the other hand you've got the republicans that say because there's a you know in, in america who are basically saying uh we have to protect our economy almost at all costs yeah so what's happening is and i think you know we, we've seen this happening over a period now the world uh, the world is becoming increasingly divided into left and right and Brexit and non-Brexit and mm. woke and non-woke and, and so on. And so, you know, climate change, no climate change. So I think the thing that's gone, you know, if you if you look at, um, you know, one of the programs we did recently about VE Day, for instance, one of the great, you know, as a Democrat, I have to acknowledge this. There's no doubt in my mind that the Labour Party made a greater contribution to our ability to win the war than the Tory party did. And in fact, it's true to say, as I mentioned in the, the, the show, that Churchill would not have come to power if it had not been for the Labour Party. Fact. So, yeah, go on. Well, I was going to ask you, I don't know if it's the right time to interrupt this, but to ask you that question that I was going to follow up, I know you hate the comparisons to the war, but I was going to ask how the opposition behaved during wartime and how supportive or uh, how much they criticised. Well, this is the whole point, isn't it? So what happened is um, the opposition effectively brought down the, cha the Chamberlain government. OK, so that Neville Chamberlain was the prime minister. He is the guy that came back and said peace in our time. Uh, he had a policy of appeasement, uh, which was to try to avoid going to war Churchill had been a lone voice for many years saying, you know, this this new Nazi regime is is a juggernaut getting out of control. We need to we need to be building tanks. We need to be building planes, you know, making planes. We need to be ready for this because this is going to get sheer as shit. Oh, no, 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 said the appeasers. You know, you're completely barking mad. Da, 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 da. So we start off the war. Uh, with Chamberlain being uh, the Prime Minister, and then by 
May 1940, which is what, uh, seven months and a bit after the war started, effectively Clement Attlee, who's the leader of the Labour Party, got up in the Commons and said, hey, oi, you Chamberlain, you're not fit for purpose. You are not the man to be leading us in a war. You're bloody useless. Piss off. Get out. Right. Um, Chamberlain then obviously realised his, his number was up. The these the establishment let's call them that the establishment then did everything they could to to try to replace him with somebody else that was more establishment and effectively labor said no 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 the only person we'll accept is churchill Mm. so that's a true story that's what happened um and so churchill became the leader because the opposition insisted he was the leader then in terms of finishing off your question, in terms of why then, um, what was it called? A government of unity, a unity government. He then made the leaders of every political party in his cabinet. So Clement Attlee became the deputy prime minister. Mm. The the leader of the Liberal Party became, I'm not sure whether he was a chancellor or something. So what you had was the cabinet in the wartime wasn't the Tory government. It was... All of the parties put together, all the best people. So you had people like Bevin, Attlee, you know, very senior members of the war cabinet. So the war cabinet spoke for the whole country. Yeah, that was that, that is such a great point to, to make. And, you know, I know we don't like those comparisons and you've said it a few times being so into your history um, that, you know, it's not right to, to the comparisons that are made. But it, it could be one of the biggest challenges we've faced since wartime. Would it be a better way to explain it? And yeah. maybe, just perhaps, that is again what may we could have learnt some lessons from that and got together. And that was precisely my point. I was playing devil's advocate a little bit as a broadcaster rather than saying that's my view. But I think actually, you know, when we're watching those, and I don't know if uh, you watching have seen this, but the amount of time that Boris has spent in the. Um, uh, in Parliament over the last week, just answering criticism and questions from the opposition, for me seems time not well spent. But that's just just my view. Um, no, I, I did say this on the live stream, like one of the live streams last week, that um, you know there was a serious threat here that um, the, the unions stroke a certain element of the opposition will take this opportunity to try to bring down the government. And they'll do that by uh, effectively saying, you know what, you know, you wanted schools to open on June the 6th. Well, you're not going to, because we're not going to, we're going to tell all the teachers to stay at home because it's not safe. Yeah. You know, and um, uh, you know, you wanted, you know, you wanted um, people to go on holiday from July the 1st. Well, you ain't going to, because no one's going to go and, process the bags you know what I mean? it, it's do you know it's going to be re- I've, i'm fascinated by how the next week two weeks will play out especially with the the schools um something else that we haven't got time for is i'm trying to lead by example today and get get our show to 35 minutes but something <laughs> something else that's very interesting is um i've seen a lot about the german bundesliga this weekend and the fact that it started yeah. um the Premier League are obviously looking to follow suit. And one of the criticisms that's come out today from the papers is why are the Premier League going to get all this PPE 
and yet the NHS are still struggling and schools, etc. Again, it goes back to that question of how much do we want to criticise the government for trying to get things like the... I'm not sure, and I, and I won't ever be sure whether this is done for the right sentiments, but for me, football would be good to be started in this country for mental health. Um, it gave me some great boost at the weekend just watching some live football, be it German football. I'm not sure that's the reasons why they're starting it, but you, you one would like to think that that's why the government want to get it back into place. But here we go again, criticism left, right and centre for the government allowing football to come back, taking this PPE. It seems a vicious circle at the moment. And um, I know we've got to wrap up, but Paul, it, it does seem fascinating of what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm totally on your side there. I mean, I think, you know, if so, I don't consider myself to be, uh, you know, taking my analogy of Republican and Democrat. I'm neither one nor the other. I I um, have a considerable regard for, for human life. I don't have anything to prove to anyone about things I've done in my life to, um, you know, chari charity wise. Um, you know, Aspen Way are making a huge contribution to the community at this current time. However, um, you know, coming back to my thing about, you know, David Starkey saying that doctors were breaking their Hippocratic Oath. The fact is, is that um, what happens is, is a certain type of person, you know, and unfortunately, this is prevalent of Sky News and BBC News, for instance, basically takes uh, the current situation. And, and it's like there's only one horse running in the race. Doesn't matter how many other horses there are. There's actually only one horse, and that's the coronavirus horse. Right. Yeah. So the fact that there are people um, who are being left to die. And this is the point, you know, David Starkey's point is somebody somewhere made a decision. Right. Which is unheard of. And no other country in the world's done this, by the way. No other country in the world's done this. They turned around and they said, no. Um, if you were going to have an operation on removing a cyst into it, you're not having it, right? Uh, everything is going to be sacrificed for the coronavirus, okay? So uh, there is a real cost of that because now loads of people are dying of heart attacks. Loads of people. I read a disgraceful thing. This is true. Um, in the Sunday Mail yesterday, by the Sunday Mail columnist who comments on TV programs, and she said that her father, I think it was her father, had had a heart attack, uh, had complained of breathlessness and various other things, was admitted to a London hospital, or I think it was on a Saturday. He was sent home at three o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, and he died of a heart attack three hours later. Wow. Ask yourself why that happened. Do you know why it happened? Come on. Because they hadn't a bloody ICU ward uh, because they converted them all to coronavirus. They had nothing to say. Basically, he was, tell me that's not murder. Uh, that's yeah. neo-murder. To me, that's nearly murder. I, I, I don't see, and if I was, if I was, I won't put up, I'm, I'm, I'm getting really angry about this. You know, I'm going to start, people are going to get start getting some serious letters from me about, um, about um, you know, things like uh, manslaughter, murder, uh, all this sort of thing, you know. So the fact is, is that you've got to weigh up things like, uh, this is why I keep coming back to the like, cost-benefit analysis. So you've got, you know, you've got people dying of coronavirus. You've also got people uh, dying because of coronavirus because they're not being treated. So you've got to balance that up. Then, as you rightly say, you've got then uh, the tremendous human cost of uh, mental health issues 
etc etc uh businesses collapsing unnecessarily mass unemployment you know you've got to make a decision and i think david starkey's view was that uh there is no brave politician there isn't someone out there doing what i would do for instance to say do you know what and sorry said i know you're probably getting frustrated with me talking too much now no it's fine. finishing off finishing off on the football thing you see see i think that um it's an absolute disgrace that I would have said if this one thing, two things I would have kept going uh, would have been horse racing and football, right? Mm. So if you take your average Joe, you know, your average member of public, uh, what do they like to do? They, they probably, most people follow a football team. Yeah. And you know yourself that for a lot of people, it's almost their whole life, you know, they're a Preston North End fan. They, they've got a season ticket. They go to watch. Not only do they go and watch all the Preston North End matches at home, they go to bloody Barnsley to watch the away match and Bristol City and all this, you know. Yeah. And their whole life is about travelling up and down the country supporting Preston North End. And then football's taken away from them. What, what is left? You know, their whole life is football. There is nothing else. There's nothing to look forward to. Every day becomes the same, you know. The same thing, you know, take my dad as a good example. You know, my dad uh, has a bet. I don't know. I don't like to ask him. Uh, if you go around my dad's house, he's got the paper. You see he's got the horse racing page taken out. He's got pens. You can see he's penned against horses, you know. I know he gambles. I don't know whether he does it every day or every two days or every week. But it's something It's something important to him. Uh, and he. And that's not something he's allowed to do. So you've got. 66 million people ever is living in the uk the national sport taken away from them the 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 other thing which you know uh, the majority you know i i've worked for i worked for william hills in the summer and i can tell you i know how uh you know particularly retired people how they operate what their life consists of Mm. you know and this is a fact it's like bingo come out of bingo go into the bookies you know, that's what they do every day of their lives. That's what they do. So we've created a situation where we've got locked down and then we've like we said, you know what, um, you've got to stay at home, but we're not going to give you anything to look forward to or anything nice like that at all. So I would have said personally that, I mean, there's a, there's a, there is obviously a discussion to be had um about uh about your what you said about ppe but nonetheless i would say that getting the premier league back is essential I, I'd, I'd go i'd say it's essential fundamentally essential yeah i totally even as a manchester united fan that will or does not want to see liverpool play those last three games to get the title i completely <laughs> agree with you paul i think it's um and if you're not if you're not a football fan and you're and you are watching and there will be a few people listening saying well nah, it's not it's not important I don't, I don't I don't follow football there'll be something that you do as Paul just mentioned that you will be missing so it's the same kind of thing so yeah I think that's really really important listen we could have this conversation and continue it as you said for for hours and I'm sure we will come back to it because it's a big couple of weeks really especially and I say this um especially because of the schools. I think that's going to be a very, very interesting um, debate and outcome of what happens because I, kn- I know a number of teachers and I know a number of teachers that are not going to go back. They don't want to go back. I know a number of parents that have said they're not sending their kids back. So this is going to be um, massively um, up for debate in the next couple of weeks. 
we've got to get to your song, Paul. That's what we've got to do right now. We're going to choose the, the song that's carrying us out <laughs> of the show today. What, what letter are we up to? We're up to X. Isn't that exciting? Very exciting. X well, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it is. Um, I mean, I, I, I haven't looked at my lists of X. As you know, I've got lists. So uh, off the top of my head, you've obviously got um, the chosen band today, which is XTC, which is uh, one of my favourite bands. Um, then you've got X-Ray Specs, for instance, which um, I'm a, I also a, a band I've I bought albums of, which I, I really like. Um, so I, I can't really be bothered to think of any others at the moment. So no, no doubt you probably can. Um, I don't really care because XTC are a great band. They come from Swindon, which is uh, in the West Country. Um, one of the best bands of all time. Huge. I think they're Madonna's favourite band of all time, actually. You might want to check that out. I think that's true. I think uh, Madonna has said that XTC are her favourite band of all time. Um, the only thing that spoils it a bit for me is their political views are, um, uh, let's say, decidedly different to my own, which is spoilt it a bit because I've always had such an enormous respect for XTC. Uh, just a succession of wonderful songs, uh, ranging from uh, a sort of a punky first single of theirs I ever bought and list- I liked, which was called um, Towers of London, which I would recommend you listen to. Uh, and then I think the iconic, iconic Making Plans for Nigel, which is one of the best singles of all time in my opinion yeah I like that we're one. only making plans for nigel we only do what's best. it could be like the government song couldn't it we are closing down because of coronavirus we only want what's best for you you won't go and talk to anybody anyway um sorry for that poor sense of humor there so um they've 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 just written some really really good songs and they're they're, they're quite quirky as well you know uh just i think the lyrics uh uh, and I like really inventive people. So anyway, uh, decided that XTC were definitely the band for today. Uh, and I've actually gone with the simple thing, which is the song of theirs I most listen to when I want to be cheery, which is called Generals and Majors. Um, lovely jangly guitar. Uh, just fun. Just a really fun song. Uh, really good. One of their bigger hits. Uh, just really good. So today's song playing out is Generals and Majors by XTC. A very good choice. The only other band I could think of that I like were the XX, which I've uh, I listened to um, quite a bit. But apart from that, I couldn't actually think of any other bands beginning with X anyway. So well, there's a band called the Executioners, but I'm not sure if they're EX or X. And very good point. No, no. And if you haven't, if you if you haven't, sorry, sorry, to take up another minute and then make you cross. Um, the reason why you might want to listen to the executioners is because they have part of Lincoln Park in them. Oh, okay, right there. Yeah, that's very good. Very good reason um, to uh, interrupt, and uh, very good reason to listen to that. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. It's um, been a, a really fascinating one. Certainly, on a Monday, we like to talk about the current debates. I'm sure this will come up during the week as well, because clearly it's um, it's a big time for the government at the moment and some of the decisions that have to be made. Uh, my thanks to Paul as always. Thank you Paul for joining me on today's uh, live broadcast and my thanks to you as well. Thanks for listening, thanks for watching. Don't forget you can subscribe to our podcast you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Get your comments uh, in on there and we'll read some of them out as the week goes along. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon Heatwave, mini heatwave coming apparently. <laughs> so it's going to be a warm one. Wednesday. On Wednesday. 
and uh, we'll see you again. Uh, thanks for watching and goodbye. Yeah.